1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at WKOK.com. Now, here's your host for On the Mark, Joe McGranahan. Thank you and welcome on board On the Mark. And we're going to get started very quickly this morning because we are honored to have with us Senator Bob Casey on the the hotline this morning. Senator, good morning. You've had a late night, I understand. We had another late night, but we we'll, might may have another one tonight. But we're, we got work to do. Well, how how is it going with the omnibus bill? Well, I think we're get, we're coming close to completing it, but um, it's it's obviously a, a big piece of legislation. There's a lot of debate. There'll be some amendments and some work to do. But um, the key thing is we've got to not not simply uh, make sure that the government has the the resources to keep operating. But um, as important as the investments we make in people's lives to help families at a tough time for for folks at the holidays. Well, speaking of investments, you did a heavy lift for the Valley here in getting us some of that infrastructure spending for the Central Susquehanna Valley Thruway Project, which is going to free up money for other projects here in Pennsylvania. Would you tell us about what it took to get that done, Senator? Well, a lot of this comes down to making sure that you make uh, a project like that a priority. I don't have to tell any one of your listeners that the Central Susquehanna Valley Thruway is not simply a critical link in central Pennsylvania, but it's also a, a project that um, will ensure that we can continue to create jobs and have economic growth in central Pennsylvania. And it means also that we have to pri- continue to prioritize rural communities. You know, we're a, a lot of people outside of Pennsylvania don't know this, but we're a state of uh, 67 counties, but 48 are rural. So we have a lot of rural communities that need help. And one of the investments we have to make is, is our transportation infrastructure. This was possible uh, largely because, in, in terms of the recent investments, only because of the Infrastructure Investment and Job Act. And that was a, that, that's a critical investment so that the people of uh, central Pennsylvania, the Susquehanna Valley, can have a, uh, the kind of transportation infrastructure that they deserve. They send their tax dollars to Washington and to Harrisburg and to local governments, and they should have a return on that investment. That's why this investment in the the throughway is so important. Well, I want to commend you because over the years, Senator, I know you've come up here and I've given you a number of briefings over the years on the bypass. Your staff always attended our um, committee meetings for the um, task force, and you have always had a very lively interest in this project. And I, I think you must get a sense of satisfaction over the fact that it's now under construction. Oh, it's great. Well, I haven't been at it as long as you have. You've been in the uh, laboring in the vineyards, so to speak, for for um, for so many years, and we're we're grateful that you uh, not only alerted uh, me and our team to this issue many years ago, but but also that you were so persistent. And you knew, as I knew, that there's no way that uh, local resources or or state government resources, as as significant as they can be, there's no way that you can complete a project like this without federal help. And unfortunately. As a country, we've been going from transportation bill to transportation bill, and uh, A, that's often not enough federal investment, and B, uh, it's not the kind of investment that um, 
that can sustain a project like this over time. We needed a new approach to infrastructure, and that's why the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act is so important. Think about it this way. Just when you consider the job question, the infrastructure bill is going to be responsible for 30,000 jobs in Pennsylvania each year for 10 years. Even I can do the math. That's 300,000 jobs in Pennsylvania just from one bill. And a lot of those jobs will come from the construction of, of highways, roads and bridges, and so much else, but also investments in water and sewer projects, high-speed Internet, and so much else. When you look at that bill and the amount of money that it's uh, coming back to Pennsylvania, I guess we're getting more than our fair share? We are, and if you just just think about it this way, over the next five years, just for roads and bridges, and that's one of they're, they're two of many, many categories, but just for roads and bridges, it'll be $13 billion. But that doesn't count the investment in high-speed Internet, so kids can do their homework. That's literally what this issue is about when people talk about broadband or high-speed Internet. It's about whether kids can do their homework, small businesses can operate, whether farmers can get their products to market. That's how basic it is. Uh, the Internet now is it's almost like electricity. You can't do without it to run a business or to learn or to grow. So. Those kinds of investments in Pennsylvania will mean that we're going to have the kind of economy that uh, we deserve in Pennsylvania, and that requires the federal government to be a full uh, partner. There's more, obviously, more we have to do, more we can talk about, but but that uh, infrastructure bill is is so significant in the fu- for the future of our state. Well, I know you've also been working on a number of other issues, including the teenage mental health and the suicide issue. Can you tell us about the hearings you're, you're having and uh, where that issue stands right now? Yeah, I don't think that um, anyone, who, uh, uh, anyone who's been, been uh, raising a family or, uh, or even if they're not raising a family, they, what they've observed over the last couple of years, especially with the pandemic, we had a we had a youth mental health crisis long before the pandemic, but it was made much worse by the pandemic, and we've got to address it. And one of the ways that uh, that we we focus on a problem uh, in the United States Senate is is to conduct hearings, to conduct oversight, and to, to get witnesses before you who understand the issues. Sometimes to do the oversight, you have to pull drag in federal officials and, and uh, uh, grill them with questions. But sometimes it just means listening to experts about what is happening to young people in the country. And so I, I think it's not, a, it's not breaking news to say we have a youth mental health crisis, but we got to do something about it. I had a hearing uh, in the Health Education, uh, Health Education Labor Pension Subcommittee. That's, that's one of the committees I'm on, and I happen to have a subcommittee a chairmanship of the, the uh, Subcommittee on Children and Families. We had a hearing last month highlighting... Uh, several bills that that I've introduced to help young people that are struggling with mental health. One of the the gaps we have is not simply in uh, young people who are in high school or or beyond high school, but also we've got a a problem even at a much younger level, the pediatric uh, mental health system. We need to address the gaps in our pediatric mental health care system. Now, the only good news here in terms of the way Washington works is both parties recognize this. There's not just bipartisan interest in in the House and the Senate, Democrats and Republicans, but some some progress. But we have to make I think we have to make 2023 
a year when we focus on getting bills passed that will begin to address uh, the youth mental health crisis. We've made some progress in the last two years, but not nearly enough. Well, you bring up a good point, the fact that it is a brand-new Congress. Uh, the Senate is being controlled by the Democratic Party, the House by the Republicans. You're going to have a new Democratic colleague representing Pennsylvania in the United States Senate. What does Senator Bob Casey see for the coming year? What do you think is going to happen in Washington politically? Well, I think we can get a lot done. I know that some people will say, oh, well, it's a Democratic Senate and the House will be Republican, and that, that means that there'll be a gridlock. I don't see it that way. I think there's a there's an opportunity when you have um, a United States Senate, that we, even though we have a majority, it's we got 51 senators. We don't have 60, so we're going to have to work with Republicans, as we, we always try to do, and they uh, when on, on a lot of days, they try to work with us. In the House, we, because the majority is so slim, they too have to get things done because at the end of the day uh, constituents those who are paying taxes every day they expect progress and when they look at the last two years you know some people would say oh well what what did democrats do when they had the house and the senate and the presidency well it's a long list we don't have time in one interview to go through it all but we already talked about the infrastructure bill we passed the, the first major gun safety bill in three decades. No one, no one in Washington thought that was possible. Uh, but it, 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 it took steps in the right direction on, on uh, common sense gun measures that everyone supports, making sure that if, someone, if someone's uh, 18, 19, 20 years old and they, they have real issues and they might have a, a juvenile record, that, that we ought to be able to examine that before they, they buy a high-powered weapon. Uh, also uh, helping invest in the mental health. That was one of the major mental health gains for youth mental health was in the, the, the gun, so-called gun bill. Lower prescription drug costs for seniors, uh, investments in clean energy and, and uh, combating climate change and creating a lot of jobs. By the way, the, the bill that, that allowed us to invest in, in climate change, uh, a climate change strategy, that bill also will create jobs in Pennsylvania over 21,000 jobs just from that bill. So if you just think about it that way, that way the, the Inflation Reduction Act and the infrastructure bill, just for Pennsylvania, 50,000 jobs every year for 10 years. That means that these, that, that means that you can pass legislation in Washington that addresses problems like lowering prescription drug costs, but also create a hell of a lot of jobs. Uh, Steve Kushloff has a question for you, Senator. Good morning, Senator. How are you doing? Hey, Steve. Uh, one of the uh, toughest issues facing um, all of you in Washington um, is the southern border. Uh, you know, it just seems to be almost an insurmountable uh, issue to to effectively address. Now, I did notice in the last uh, couple of weeks that two senators, Senator Tillis and Senator Sinema, had come up with a proposal that addressed uh, both border security as well as uh, a path to citizenship for dreamers, you know, the DACA young people. Um 
can can you give me any indication of what kind of response uh, that proposal uh, from Tillis and Cinema received, and is there any chance that it might be uh, used as a starting point? Well, there's no question that that when you have a, a country as um, as successful as the United States, and uh, that that people want to come to, and you also have uh, folks that are that are fleeing, uh, sometimes violence against themselves or against their family. You have a terrible. I just got a briefing yesterday by the world, the, the head of the World Food Program, David Beasley, who's a Republican governor from South Carolina years ago. But he said one of the one of the drivers of people coming to our southern border is food insecurity, from for, for all kinds of reasons, the pandemic, climate change, and so many others. So many other problems. So you have people coming to our border, and the question is, what are we going to do about it when they arrive there? And one of the problems we've had is we, as you point to the the bipartisan work that two senators have done, we're going to need more of that kind of effort. Uh, it doesn't mean that that bill is going to solve the, the whole problem. It doesn't mean that there aren't, and I've just got some questions about their bill on, on some particulars, but we need more of that. We need Democrats and Republicans to come together in ways that we used to. In fact, my first few years in the United States Senate, as soon as you heard the word immigration, the word bipartisan came right after it because everything was bipartisan on immigration. Mm-hmm. And if we want to, to solve the problems we have at our southern border, and they are significant, we have to have uh, an approach that is more comprehensive. If you, need, if you want border security, as we all do, we have to invest in and spend the dollars we need on ports of entry uh, to, to not just have order at the border so that the, so that there are rules in place about what happens to people when they get there and that they're treated humanely, but that we can stop the drugs that are coming in uh, cargo. We should be inspecting every piece of cargo at the border, no matter how much it costs, no matter how much uh, how long it takes to stop the drugs at ports of entry. But we're not going to be able to do much of that until we get uh, bipartisan agreement on a comprehensive bill. You know, we had 68 votes just nine years ago in the United States Senate, not that long ago, for for a comprehensive immigration bill. The border would be secure today if that bill had passed nine years ago. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem. We had 68 votes in the Senate, totally bipartisan, Democrats and Republicans. It went to the House. They never even voted on it. It died. And in large measure, bipartisan immigration policy died at the at the doorstep of the House in 2013. Well, That's I, literally the truth. I know you. And we got to get back to that. We got to get back to that. We're running out of time. We've kept you a little bit longer than uh, than your staff had told us we could. So let me just ask you in closing: Is there anything we haven't asked you that you'd like to comment on? Well, no. I just I think that, that more broadly, I think that there were some some good ideas that were proposed in in 2021 and 2022 to address. Uh, some of the major issues that families face every day, uh, like quality, affordable child care, like home care. I, I led the effort on, on home care and was leading on children's issues as well. And one of the best things we did was to invest in the child tax credit, which allowed families to have um, the dollars they needed in, in, in 2021, at least for that time period, to buy food. Uh, when we And we still have a food 
a, a hunger and a food in, insecurity problem in the country, and yet we don't often have the we don't often have the the families that are affected by that as as a top priority in Washington. We've got to get back to helping families pay for the cost of living, help them pay for raising children, help them with child care, help seniors have the dignity of skilled care in their home. Why shouldn't we demand that? The the option of going to a nursing home should not be the only option for the American people. We need to make these investments, and we need to take on powerful interests in Washington that have been rigging that tax code for 40 years against families, against seniors, against people with disabilities. So they're the fights I'm going to be engaged in the in the year ahead to make sure that we lift up and support families. Washington has, has not focused enough on children and families, and if I have anything to do with it, I'm going to keep fighting like hell for those families. Senator Bob Casey, we certainly thank you for taking the time to be with us this morning, and we wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas, Senator. Thanks again. Thanks Thank so you, much. Senator. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas to everyone. Take care. Right. right. All right. We've been talking to Senator Bob Casey from Washington, and uh, he was taking kind enough to take time out of his busy schedule. He was up late last night voting, uh, as he says, and I think he's right. There's going to be another long day today on this omnibus bill. Uh, we'll take a break in the program, and then we'll set the show and then open the phones. 1-800-795-9565. That's our toll-free hotline number. Email us at onthemarkatwkok.com. Mm, mm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 6.30 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6.30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the Mm. out of auto repair. Welcome back to On the Mark. I'm Joe McGranahan with Steve Kushloff. Lynn Hall is our producer. On the Mark is brought to you by the Sunbury Motor Company. We all know that SMC stands for Sunbury Motor Company, selling more cars, satisfying more customers. With that comes the need for many great behind-the-scene employees. While they have many awesome technicians ready to serve you, they need more due to the busy business that a 107-year-old dealership has earned. They're looking for entry-level and experienced technicians to work in their quick lane, car, light truck service, heavy truck service, body, frame, and alignment, and towing departments. Whether you're an experienced technician, an entry-level technician looking for your first job, or someone looking for a career change, they would love to hear from you. Stop by in person or apply online at sunburymotors.com or call Todd. It's 286-7746. And Steve, um, you know, it was, an, it was great to be able to talk to the senator. And, and, and I'll admit, over the years, uh, he has worked very closely with us on the bypass project. And I have a tremendous amount of respect for the senator and what he's tried to do. I mean, he is a guy who puts his money where his mouth is. He actually walks the walk and talks the talk. He doesn't just say, I'm in favor of it. He's been up here any number of times for briefings. His staff has always been active in participating in that project. And I know he's got a lot on his plate, you know. But some of the, some of the answers he 
gave, and, and I would tell him this to, to him, and he would realize it. I'm a Republican. Some of the things he says I agree with, some I don't. But I think he's a, a hardworking guy. I think he takes his job very seriously, and I think he does try to do what he thinks is best for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So, given that, your question on the border, were you satisfied with it? Because you've been critical of the Biden administration on the border. I, I was, um, yeah, I was satisfied. I would have... In, I would have liked to get into a real discussion on this uh, proposal by uh, Tom Tillis and Kirsten Cinema. Not that I'm an expert on it, but it, it just seems to have it just seems to have come out of nowhere, and yet it gets no um, it gets no attention. In fact, I mean, here's here's the article. It was in the Daily Item. It was a reprint from the Bloomberg uh, organization, and right next to it was a column. Uh, written by a very conservative, uh, I would kind of call him a right-wing writer, um, very critical of the Biden people, and yet even he, Mark Thyssen, brought up this particular proposal as something that at least could be a starting point for discussion. And I'm just kind of, and it's gotten no attention from politicians except to dismiss it. Well, the senator said he has certain issues with the bill. He didn't say what they right. were, and we didn't have time. Honestly, no. we kept the senator. He was gracious enough to stay longer than he uh, he had committed to staying with us. So, yeah. uh, and I said to you off, Mike, and it's true, we could have done another hour and a half with him easily. Uh, Stan, you have a comment, I'm sure, about the senator's comments. Yeah, can you guys see in that studio? He's blowing a lot of smoke. <laughs> in what regard? Well, let's see. The illegals and immigration. Wow's the answer. There's only one answer to that question. Close the border tight as a drum. What's going on down there is a travesty. They're breaking the laws. Our laws aren't being enforced. That's an impeachable fence because the president is in charge of the uh, executive branch. His executive branch is failing. They're not enforcing the laws. There should be zero people crossing that border. Don't you think? Well, I thought I like what the senator said about making sure we check the the packages coming across the border. You know, I think that there's probably more of that than there is people smuggling fentanyl in. I mean, there's only so much a person can carry, but the trucks and the shipping containers and the things coming across the southern border probably should be scrutinized more heavily. So I I believe that he was right there, uh, but also what he didn't comment on, he talked about the human condition. But I still think that you have to obey the laws of the country that you're trying to get into. Nobody disputes that. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, Stan is is, is basically right. You've got to have tight, good border security. Border security. Yeah. The, the other thing that this proposal addresses, though, is the dreamers. And as you know, Joe and Stan, I'm sure you know, too, these are the people who were brought in as very young children. They have now uh, grown up as Americans. The only country they know is this one. Sure. And yet uh, there's been talk about, you know, uh, ways to, um, you know, integrate them into American culture to a, to a point where they would achieve citizenship. So, uh, you know, I agree with you, Stan, on the border security. What do you think about uh, the dreamers, these uh, young people? 
well, they should never get citizenship. Okay, give them green cards so they can live here permanently and live by the laws. That's fine. But never citizenship. Even though it wasn't their fault, I'll give them that. Never citizenship. Okay? Plain well, and simple. Why not? We they allow don't other, deserve it, we, along with their parents don't deserve it. Stan, we allow other people to come into this country uh, who, for one means or another, over the years, we've let in Nazi German scientists and gave them citizenship. Why shouldn't well, we allow Why shouldn't we no, allow people who didn't really choose to come here, have no nothing <laughs> in it, they didn't break the law, why shouldn't no, we nobody let them have said a Nobody said letting the Nazis in was right, but they did it. That was the government doing that, okay, for whatever. They wanted their expertise. That's why that was done. Right or wrong, and it was probably wrong, but that's the way it was. But why should these people be given? Now, always remember, four or five years ago, Trump tried to get a deal with the Democrats to uh, do that with the Dreamers, and he was flat out rejected by old Nancy there. So, uh, you know, they have nothing to stand on as far as giving these people amnesty. Well, it there should be zero amnesty for anybody. It was what Trump tied to it that led to Nancy Pelosi saying no. Oh, okay. So it was Trump's fault. Okay. No, it wasn't Trump's right. fault. He, he gave them the opportunity, no, he and was, they, they turned it down. What I'm saying is he was trying to achieve something, and he was trying to trade, and it didn't work out. Stan, if you need more yeah. time, call back. Hey, we thank you very much for taking part in the first part of the program. We'll take a break for the news, and we'll be back with more of On the Mark. I'm Joe McGranahan. Steve Gushaloff's here. Our producer's Lynn Hall. This is WKOK, Sunbury, Pennsylvania. Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here's your host for On the Mark, Joe McGranahan. Thank you and welcome back to On the Mark. I'm here today with Steve Kushaloff. Lynn Hall's our producer, Mark Lawrence, uh, worked this morning, but he's taking the rest of the day off and uh, I think he's got some plans. So Steve and I will hold down the fort. On the Mark is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Check them out at www.sunburymotors.com. Our toll-free line is open. Call us at 1-800-795-9565 or email us at onthemarketwkok.com. The Sunbury Motor Company, a family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, selling more cars, satisfying more customers since 1915. Find out more about them at www.sunburymotors.com sunburymotors.com and make sure you visit the quick lane on north 4th street in sunbury where they specialize in all types of service on vehicles state inspection nitrogen for tires they're open monday through friday 6 30 a.m to 6 p.m and saturday from 6 30 a.m till 2 p.m the sunbury motor company sells ford hyundai kia cars they are the premier service provider for all makes of cars and trucks and all sizes of trucks and they're a master towing service with decades of experience Let's take a quick look at the news headlines. Big storm headed our way. May be big, may be little, but in any event, there are actions being taken because of it. You can check them out at winternet at wkok.com. There are some early dismissals on there today, so you might want to check our winternet and make sure you see what's, uh, what's happening. 
Uh, numerous fire companies and other first responders were called to a fire in a series of businesses and apartments on East Independence Street in Shimokin yesterday. No injuries were reported in the fire that hit Oliver's Cigar Lounge and the OIP restaurant in the 100 block of East Independence Street. Officials say as many as a dozen residents have been left homeless by the fire. Legendary Pittsburgh Steeler and Penn State running back Franco Harris shocked the sports world with his sudden passing yesterday at the age of 72. One of his teammates at Penn State was Sealands Grove native Neil Smith. Smith told the Steve Jones Show Wednesday that he, Harris, and their teammates appreciated the coaching they received. Harris also had other Valley connections. The chief, Dave Ritchie, told the Steve Jones Show that Harris attended the Shikolami football banquet in 1985. Harris will have his number 32 retired this Saturday night when the Steelers host the Ravens, to, or Raiders rather, to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. You can hear the rest of those interviews from the Steve Jones Show at WKOK.com. Hundreds of Valley families benefited from the Salvation Army's Here for Good campaign are lining up this week to receive the toys, food, clothing, and gifts to make their holiday season a little brighter. The Shemokin and Sunbury Citadels hosted their distribution days Monday and Tuesday, respectively. Major Tammy Hench says seeing each family's reaction every year is always a blessing. That's our news headlines for this morning, and we're back with On the Mark. Our toll-free hotline is open, 1-800-795-9565. So, uh, one of our callers, Stan, who is not obviously, or is obviously a little conservative, and he's back when wants to finish his comments, so he gets another minute. Stan, go ahead, sir. Good morning. Uh, yeah, Casey was also speaking about the big gun control law that they passed. Now, I have a really simple question, and I know probably nobody can answer because we're not politicians. But back in 94, when they passed the instant background check with the Brady Bill, why wasn't all records, juvie records, included in that? That's, the, that's what they did with this new law with youth crime. You know, now if you're between 18 and 21, they do an enhanced background check. See, all that should have been included in the other law. See, I have no problem with background checks because I don't want scum criminal getting any type of firearm, period. And that includes kids that, you know, committed armed robbery, assault, battery, murder. But then the records are sealed when they become adults because it was a juvie crime. That's the problem. Now, they supposedly fixed that. My question is, why didn't the politicians take care of that before? Okay, well, that's an interesting question. Why didn't they? That's a good question, and they can't blame it on the NRA because the NRA was for the background checks. Okay, the Instacheck, which is what it was. So well, I'm so. assuming, I'm going to assume here, because I don't have the answer, that it was the leftists that don't want the juvies ever to be held responsible once they become 18 and older for their crimes of their youth. Well, actually, they, are, they aren't held responsible. They get out when they turn 18, don't they? If they're processed. Well, they're, they're 20. Actually, somewhere up in the 21. 21 they're okay. considered youth in these de- detention centers. All right. Well, you pose a good question. I'm sorry we didn't uh, have Senator Casey give us an answer on that. But, you know, have you ever contacted his office to ask? No, because it would be a waste of my time because he doesn't have the answer. He wasn't in Congress at the time oh, okay. or in the Senate at the time. So he wouldn't know neither. I'm just speculating there was a reason for it, the same reason that the people that were in the state hospitals, they just turned them loose, that type of reason, because we got to be compassionate for 
these people, even though they've committed crimes against people that are pretty heinous, we've got to be compassionate because they're adults now and they're misspent youth. You know, okay. we can't hold that against them. All right, sir. Thank you very much. Appreciate so, your comments. Think about Dan. All right, Hope we somebody will. has an answer. Well, if someone does, we invite them to call in and give it to us. 1-800-795-9565. Email us at onthemarketwkok.com. One of our emailers says, I'm all in favor of granting amnesty to all those illegals that crossed the line on January 6th at the Capitol building. Not really. But those that are saying that it was an attempt to overthrow the government have never studied our Constitution and the procedures to ensure the, the continuation of our government. Our government is not the people that are elected, but the laws and statutes that are written on that piece of paper. Good point. I could tell by your facial expression that you disagree. Yeah, it just it just gets almost floors me that uh, you'll see comments like this from people who just uh, they they want they say they want to wear the Constitution on their sleeve, and then when you know the Constitution pretty carefully, I believe, addresses the transfer of power, and these people act like, oh no, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to dismiss the whole election. We're just going to say that no, it never happened. We're going to have the vice president, uh, uh, you know, overturn the thing. That's one of the things that is in this uh, well, I, omnibus obviously, budget bill. Obviously, President Trump ignored the constitutional aspects of what yeah. he was trying to do. But if you feel that you have been well, wronged, you have a right to seek redress of your grievances. Nobody, nobody denies that, Joe. Nobody argues with that. But uh, by January 6th, all that redress of grievances had been addressed in, like, between 60 and 65 court cases, right. uh, of which... Um, he refused to be convinced, even though that they... <laughs> you know, it is so... You look at what's happening in Arizona right now, and you've got this election denier who lost in her uh, bid for the, for the governorship out there, and, you know, just like one shoe follows the other, no sooner did the results, were the results finalized than Carrie Lake was out there filing suits and holding rallies and we're gonna I was I was robbed and the election was stolen from me. So basically, you know, people who this is how Republicans now address and not all Republicans, I'm not gonna make that mistake, but not all this is how some of them address elections. If I lose, the election was stolen. That's how they do it. Well, if you, it makes you think that uh, if, if, the, if they won, would they be complaining about that? Oh, that? of course they wouldn't. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to think who it was on uh, TV yesterday that I that I heard, and he was quoting he was he was quoting a, a former Republican congressman from Texas, a guy who was pretty doggone conservative. And he said, this idea that you think with, let's say, six Republicans, six people on a ballot, and if the Democrat, if one Democrat wins, that's the that's the result that the elect that the yeah, Republicans but, are going to challenge, not the five Republicans who might have won. But here's the thing, you know, if, if it's easy for you to say if the uh, the person you wanted won, and the other guy thought that something was wrong with the election, that it, there's something wrong with them checking it out or wanting to. You're saying this came uh, the lady in Arizona. She oh right away she's following the suit. Well, if she believed the there were anomalies or there were things that were wrong, that's her 
absolute right to file it. Joe, you but know, you said she got right out there the minute she came in. She filed. That's what she did. So what? And not only that, but if I mean, she's it, right, she'll win in court. If she's wrong, she'll lose. Well, that's all well and good, Joe. But unfortunately, it doesn't work that way because uh, your hero, Donald Trump, and he's I, not my hero. I know, Joe, but I just love to say it. Uh, you know, that election was two years ago. And he had all his he had one day in court after another, and he continues to persist in in many cases, not all, but in many cases, uh, people who Republicans who lose elections, they just do not let it go. It doesn't matter what happens in court. Now, Dr. Oz, you know, he was defeated and he accepted his defeat right off the bat. Uh, Mastriano waited a few days before he conceded. But then he did concede, and yet I remember reading uh, that there were petitions uh, submitted. So even Mastriano wasn't willing to just uh, give up the ghost. Well, I mean, the, the, the question becomes the narrowness of the victory. The yes. narrower the victory, the more I have no problem with sure. somebody looking to uh, analyze the results and make certain that the voting was fair. I yeah. have no problem with that at all. But in Mastriano's case, the, it wasn't exactly close. Yeah. And so, you know, and in Trump's case, the last time, I mean, because we have this unusual situation of an electoral college and then a popular vote, you know, I can see how the Democrats say, well, he lost the popular vote by five million votes. That's pretty convincing evidence. And others saying, well, he only lost the um, the um, college, electoral college, by a smaller majority. So, you know, so what do we do? Do we say you can't look at it? You can't call no, it up? Nobody says Where that. he went wrong is trying to get the vice president of the United States not to serve certify the count. That's where he went wrong. Yeah, and uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there who kind of disagree with this whole electoral college thing, but that's another issue for another day because you're right, you can't really look at the narrowness of the popular vote and apply that to the electoral college. Um, but uh, there is a bill in Congress, or there was a bill in Congress, the Electoral Count Act, which at the I don't know the details. I've tried to understand them. I don't know the details, but essentially what it would do was it would uh, take away some of the loopholes, and uh, hopefully we would avoid the situ situation of uh, members of Congress trying to uh, you know submit different slates of electors and not certain the election. This is the Electoral Count Act, and it is included in this omnibus spending bill, this $1.7 budget. So, uh, you know, that would bear some looking into. And if once that budget is passed with this in it, uh, hopefully that will mean that in the future federal elections are uh, ironed out a little more easily than they have been in the last year or so. Well, I think what, what bothers me is that, you know, our elected officials, the congressmen, the senators, have an obligation to uphold the Constitution. And I think that transcends their political obligation to their party by a country mile. And so if they see something that they feel is in violation of the Constitution, they have, in my opinion, a moral imperative to act on it. 
And if that means that they have to go against their own party, they have to go against their own sitting president saying, no, wait a minute, what you're trying to do here is wrong. It's a violation of our Constitution. You know, our Constitution's held up pretty well over the years. And I think it's a, a beacon for countries all over well, the world. Sure. Uh, and yet... And I have a great deal of respect for it. I, I, I'll tell you what I feel like, Joe. I feel like the two of us are sitting here and we're just kind of trading huge, broad generalities. I mean, I agree with you. Of course, we should follow the Constitution. And you may or may not agree with me when I say that there are people who swear that they uh, they love the Constitution, they abide by the Constitution, but then when, they, when their party loses an election, they are willing to just throw the Constitution away. So we're kind of trading broad generalities. Well, I guess it depends on what kind of a justification you use for your actions. If there are constitutional principles that would tend to come down on the side of people who think the 2020 election was a travesty and was thrown out, should be thrown out, that's one thing. And if there, there are certainly constitutional imperatives that show that the election was fairly done and the result was an honest one. You know, but the, the, that's why we have courts. That's sure. why we have a, a system. Uh, I always liked the J.C. Creed, and I, long-time J.C., and you remember it. Sure. Uh, you know, this, we are a government of laws rather than of men. And that's a direct line from the J.C. Creed, and it's very true. The law should be paramount. In other words, we've enacted it. We've decided that these are the rules we're going to live in under this country, and so we need to enforce the laws, whether it be at the border, whether it be with elections. You know, if we're going to have a law, then let's have a law, let it apply to everyone, and make sure it's fairly and impartially enforced. Now, this is what, uh, this is from The Hill regarding this. Oh, oh we have a call. Go well, ahead. Well, we have to take a break. Joe from Sunbury, hang on. We've got to take a quick break. We have an email we've got to get to. We invite your calls, 1-800-795-9565. Email us at onthemark at wkok.com. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing and can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full, new, and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Welcome back to On the Mark. I'm Joe McGrann and with Steve Kushaloff. Uh, Mark Lawrence taking some time off. Joe from Sunbury is on the mark. Good morning, sir. Yeah, Steve made a, a statement that uh, Trump had his day in court, which uh, I find that to be untrue, false. Uh, doesn't make any sense. And if you take uh, frame this against the uh, Bush-Gore 2000 uh, election, Bush and Gore 
that case went to the Supreme Court and take Pennsylvania, which was the most egregious, which the difference is a little bit is that uh, Florida at that point would have gave give the majority to either one of the candidates here. Pennsylvania would have, would not have given the majority to Donald Trump if uh, they would have somehow changed the back to prior to the COVID and the Supreme Court of PA and the governor changing instead of the legislature. So in that case alone, Donald Trump didn't have his day in court because the Supreme Court of the Federals didn't want to address it at all and send it back. Well, you guys, you know, you've already made your idea up at state level, but then the Federals, the Feds want to get in everybody's state elections to make sure that they're fair and honest, right? So they do have power over the state uh, to make uh, elections fair and honest, but they I, I do understand that they uh, like to uh, leave it up to the states, but Roberts didn't have the all King James Version stones uh, compared to the Supreme Court. I don't think Roberts may have not, he may have not been the uh, the Chief Justice, I don't think, but he was sure he may have been on the court. I don't know. Well, but you, but, ignore, uh, you ignore I don't believe fact. Donald Trump had his day in court. All, all were denied, uh, like the sixty some that they quote. All were denied on no, no, uh, not enough evidence or no evidence that would make it uh, any difference. But one problem with that is that until you go to court, you don't have discovery, right? You have your. Uh, Ability to make your point without, but then you have to get what the other guy know. You both get to exchange. Yeah, uh, but you have to, Joe. You have to demonstrate a prima facie case. You have to be able to show a judge that there is reason right, I to believe. Yeah, I, I agree that uh, that's what they denied it on. Right. But they didn't deny Bush and Gore in Florida that they they said, well, yeah, you have a legitimate. And I know the laws are t- complicated, and we're not going to be able to get through all this, you know, in a matter of minutes. But I do understand that. Yes, you have to make your case. That's why I said discovery, you have to at least get in the door to help yourself. You can't be denied by a a single person. I I do understand uh, that in certain cases you're not allowed to bring a case because of no evidence. Well, but don't you think there was some evidence? They, well, they just kept saying it wouldn't change the uh, election. But how would you know that? You don't know the depth of the cheating. You don't know what you would have discovered. That's why Bush and Gore, it was pretty a lot more simpler than this because of the one state. Uh, you, Trump would have needed probably three states, and one would have had to include PA. But if there's nothing to discover, there's nothing you can prove. Oh, how words, do you, that's a silly statement, Joe. No, not if really. There's nothing to discover. Right. If there was nothing, back, nothing back egregious. In, uh, November. Nothing egregious. Nothing so so dramatic. I mean, oh, my well, problem was that yeah, Trump that made way. claims. Trump made claims that he couldn't back up. He said he said it was the most massive steal in the history of our elections, and he can't prove it. He didn't prove it. No, I agree with that. You can't prove it unless you get in the door, right? And if you have a judge, and I know why they're appointed by Clinton and these judges were appointed by Trump himself, but that doesn't always mean that Trump had the last say. And what they used to do for judges' appointments was when the Republicans were in power, two out of three would get appointed, and that third judge would be, yes, appointed under the Trump administration, and then it would be reversed when the president uh, was a Democrat. So then it would be reversed technically, or, you know, I I don't know the judges personally, and, uh, you know, I said we're not going to get through all this, but. 
Yes, I, I, that's what I'm saying. He didn't have a day in court, especially but, in PA. But he did. See, here's my point. He he made claims that the election was stolen. Now, he, you're right. He he went to court and they they threw it out. Said you don't have evidence. But if he actually had evidence and he wasn't getting his day in court, don't you think Donald Trump would be holding press conferences outlining exactly what he found out, where he found it out, and what its implications were, and what the impact on the election would have been if he actually had something? He would have he would have announced it instead of just saying, oh, the election was a massive fraud. I understand. Then you get the people on your side. Maybe if you want to make a political pressure on the courts that the public now knows, I'm not I can't recall everything that happened during that time. I'm just, you know, off the top of my head. But no, they couldn't make the case in front of a judge. Right. There was no jury trial to say there is evidence or there isn't evidence. It's a judge making the declaration. Right. Right. Right, so okay, it's one person. I understand that. Both sides are making their point. I, I believe it was so political that Donald Trump would never be president to begin with and never be president again, that the the judicial system was somewhat involved in, in leaning that way. I think that, that's my that's my opinion of right. it over the, the vastness of the people that were against Donald Trump in D.C. You call it the swamp or whatever. Well, now, now, uh, you've, hit that, on, now you've hit on something I agree with. I think Donald Trump was t- uh, treated terribly. He wasn't given a chance initially. I mean, everybody and uh, the first thing out of the Democrats' mouths was that his election was illegitimate including the vice presidential candidate or the presidential candidate that he defeated saying that he was uh, his election was illegitimate so i mean they never gave the guy a chance and there's no doubt in my right. mind people were out to get him but unfortunately for them, it was even worse yeah but unfortunately there was no way donald trump was getting a fair shot at uh, the election well, in my opinion and do- i, I just my- can't see that in any scenario because the the political machine of the whole United States was against him, basically. Now, to a fringe, you know, like uh, district judges and that, they're, they're less influenced. But down in uh, D.C., Mitch McConnell, when he went to the floor January 6th after the invasion or the riot started, the, he, he said that, you know, we're not going to change the votes or anything like that. But Ted Cruz was making the, the initial, you know, plea with to have the votes uh, challenged by the the House and the Senate would go into deliberation, and that's when uh, the riot started. Uh, they started letting them in on purpose to di- disrupt that part of the uh, process. Well, the thing is that Donald Trump loaded the gun for them, whether you like it or not. Hey, listen, we have to move on. We have another right. caller. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate your call. Van from New Columbia, you're on the mark this morning. Good morning. How about we look at it like this? If you're going to make claims that January 6th is the worst thing to happen since the Civil War, you have to have evidence to back that up. And they want to say Trump needs evidence with this election that was stolen in his eyes. Well, how about the left supporting what they claim to be the worst thing to happen since the Civil War? And if if nine if, or if January 6th was such a bad thing, why do you have to compare it with anything else? I mean, if the bombing of Pearl Harbor, they didn't say, well, that's worse than anything else because it was so terrible in, in and of itself. Just like the attack on the World Trade Centers was so egregious that there was nothing to be compared to it. So all the Democrats have done, they politicized January 6th and they weaponized it against former President Trump so that they want to make him ineligible to run for office again. 
and if Trump is such a bad candidate, why are they so worried about him and trying to get him so he's not eligible to run for president again? Well, if you believe that he was subverting the Constitution and trying to overthrow the government, wouldn't you want somebody that you felt that way about not to have another chance at it? Who, who, who really honestly believes that he was trying to do that? And now, now with Elon Musk taking over Twitter, it's been brought out that Trump tweeted about the people getting away and not causing trouble down there. And something that most people do not know is on January 6th, for whatever reason, and I have to assume that it was probably the FBI, CIA involved in it, that there was major difficulties for anyone who was down at January 6th to text other people or to communicate by phone with other people. Now, why was that? And why isn't that brought out with the mainstream news media? Well, I don't know, Steve. You know, I, I don't uh, How do I even... Uh, address a question like that. I mean, when when people come on this show, and they have and they know and they have these quote unquote facts that nobody else knows, and then they say, "Why isn't it being brought out?" You know, uh, I don't know where you got that information. I sure don't know if it's correct. I can't believe it is correct, but you, you, and right away you you immediately dismiss it out of hand. Oh no 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 no! I'm not dismissing it. I'm just saying this is a fact that you. You have brought out, and you can say all you want about the mainstream media. Believe me, if telephone communications had been blocked at January 6th, boy, there is no way that any kind of reporter worth their salt would have not reported it. And that's that's why the whole Russian collusion, the, the false dossier that was made up was believed by the left-wing liberals, and the left-wing media propagated that and they proposed it as a fact, and they still, to this day, are trying to you know, say that that's true when it obviously is not. There's people that still believe that when it's been proven right. wrong. And then you have this whole thing with the Hunter Biden laptop, which well, was denied previous to yeah. the election when and the Bobolinsky came out and made it, brought it to light. And, oh, no, no, Bobolinsky's lying. And the big man, Joe Biden, you know, the, yeah. the big guy, he, he walks away with an election that was handed to him. He did not run for president. He was handpicked. He was the only one on the left that was moderate enough and was acceptable enough to people that, that stood a chance against President Trump. Yeah. I, I can't believe people can't see things. You know, it's almost like people are defective with their abilities. To think. Well, now wait, now wait, Joe. Joe, let's now let's no, it's get Van. back. It's Van. Van, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Van. Uh, let's get, get let's get back to the Russian collusion thing. Uh, and I'm not going to sit here and say whether there was or was not. Uh, it was. Under, How about we get back? To no, the let's, let's talk about That's Russian great. collusion. You brought it up, so it's we're going to talk about it. All I want to say is, you guys had you. It's can I? Can I talk? Bad. I can't talk. Go ahead. Go ahead, Van. Yeah. It's your no, nickel. It, it, yeah, it's my nickel. But you know, you're, you can deny. It. I'm, I'm telling you, that the same stuff right here from the people on the left. Oh, there's something to it. No, there isn't. It's false. It's a false narrative Fine. set up by the left to distract this whole January 6th thing. The the thing they came out, they brought stuff against Trump. It bears no weight unless the Department of Justice goes ahead and prosecutes him on that. There's no weight at all. 
It means nothing. All it is is just political junk. Well, it may be. Gone. It may huh? be. But now... It is. It Van... Is. <laughs> Once you know, I mean, I, I I sometimes wonder why do I even get out of bed in the morning to come on this show? And listen, this is about you guys. It's about you. I agree with that. This is your show. It's not my show. But you're asking these questions. You're tossing this stuff out, and you don't even give me any opportunity to respond to you. It's the same the same dead stuff from you guys on the left. There's, there's you deny stuff. I bring stuff out. Well, where did you hear that? I don't. I didn't hear that. So therefore, it's not true. I'm not going to believe it because you said it. Because you you line up politically different than me. So I'm not going to accept what you're saying as as being true. I'm not going to validate any give any validity to it at all. I'm not going to search into it. Just let it go. And I'm going to stay in my little corner and believe my little thought process and. Whatever the left left wing news media says, I'll swallow it hook line. But Van, isn't that a two way street? Isn't that a two way street, sir? I, yes, it is. But I I believe I've I've looked at things. You know, we with this election, you say there's no evidence. You know, did you watch Two Thousand Mules? Did you check into things? Did you see what was going on? Did you see the the for the first time in in presidential history when we have computers and the technology to count votes so rapidly, and all of a sudden things shut down that night and they couldn't count them and they shut down the places and all of a sudden these votes all show up so check into that and before you want to say no this isn't true and see i don't that's why steve i don't give you time to talk because i don't need to hear the stuff you're going to say because it's just the same old baloney that the left has thrown out there so consistently it's not even worth listening to okay Okay. all right hey fair enough listen we got to move along thanks man we appreciate your call we got to take a quick break to stay on schedule we invite you to give us a holler at 1-800-795-9565 or email us at on the mark at wkok.com when car repairs get difficult well i just don't know um me neither we get good sunbury motors more than quality new and used cars sunbury motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis they can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open monday through friday seven till four and sunbury motors has made simple repairs easy maintaining your vehicle is necessary finding the time to do it is difficult welcome to sunbury motors quick lane open seven till four monday through friday just walk in or call ahead Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections? Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 630 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the... Out of auto repair. Welcome back to On the Mark. Joe McGranahan, Steve Kushloff, our producers, Lynn Hall. The toll-free lines are open, 1-800-795-9565. Earlier today, we had Senator Bob Casey on the program. Yes, Steve, you wanted to say something? I just want to say one thing about our previous caller, Van. Van, and I do appreciate his honesty when he said, I don't want to hear what you have to say. That's what he told me. That's fine. I got no problem with that. At least he was honest about it. Well, that's because you're, quote, <laughs> delivering oh. the same old 
smelly substance. <laughs> right. That's fine. So what do we got here, Joe? Well, we have a, a, a writer who says, uh, talking about Senator Casey, and dis- disrespectfully says, Bobby continues his liberal coddling to the only areas of Pennsylvania he represents, Philly and Pittsburgh. He and his vegetable counterpart will continue to expand welfare and union benefits, drain our financial resources for gender initiatives, Ukraine, poor education, sound barrier walls, taxes, and expanding Section 8. The job-creating white elephant throughway will lose its ivory tusks within 10 years. The Bob Casey throughway will be a gleaming icon of economic futility. You know, I, I hate to say this, but our writer, oftentimes I agree with him. In this case, he's full of a rather odious substance. substance. Right. You know, it just, as, I, as I... Senator Casey worked... You know, there, there are a lot of heroes in this project, in the Susquehanna Valley Thruway project. And I've said many times it was always a political battle to get funding for it, but it was never a partisan political battle. There were times Republicans were in the lead, times Democrats were in the lead. If I were to list my heroes in the project, they would include both Republicans and Democrats. And the thing is, the economic value of this to our valley and knowing where our writer lives, he isn't going to benefit from this one way or the other. So it's easy for him to fire shots at it. Ah. But here, it's going going to make a huge impact. You, Our chambers of commerce have worked so hard to identify all the areas of possible economic growth that will come from this project being completed. You know, all the years of hard work a lot of people have put in to make it happen, and to dismiss it as Bob Casey's uh, throughway will be a gleaming icon of economic futility shows a, a dramatic and crass lack of understanding of the project. Well, the thing that uh, kind of got under my skin when I, when I saw this email, the guy began begins by uh, saying that the only areas of Pennsylvania that Casey represents are Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. And yet for the first 10 minutes of Bob Casey's uh, appearance this morning, he talked about serving the rural areas Areas. of Pennsylvania, central Pennsylvania. Uh, You talked about how he has uh, been to the area so frequently. Many times. I can remember when I was working at at CETACOG and uh, we took the senator up on a tour. We went up on top of Blue Hill so he could uh, see the whole uh, area I was there that day. Yes, okay. I was there. Okay. All right. You um, mean talking about the bypass, the hill to where the bypass would go? Because he was there for that, too. Right. But I just okay. remember he was here. We uh, had a chance to speak with him. Um, He's been here many times. Hey, I remember, and this name um, will be familiar to you. I remember when, uh, not Senator, or Jim Wright, Congressman Wright. Right, yeah, yeah came w- to the area. When he was here. In fact, mm-hmm. I was still working at this radio station at the time. I had quite an experience with the congressman, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> well, I mean, Senator Casey's interest in rural Pennsylvania, I think, is well documented. Sure. You know, and yes, he, he has to represent Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, too, but I wouldn't say he coddles them. Uh, I wouldn't say he coddles rural Pennsylvania. I think he has tried to be balanced in respect to delivering for the people of Pennsylvania. And really, it's in his best interest to deliver for the people of Pennsylvania. Yeah. Harry, you're on the mark this morning. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, First off, I'd like to say, as somebody who has, uh, over the last six years, has been driving to uh, Harrisburg and and now Williamsport to go to work, the throughway is, uh, uh, and only with, you know, with the northern part being done here, it's already been a blessing for me getting around. And I only I can only imagine how great it will be when the southern part is done too. And Joe, as far as heroes in this project, 
you're very modest. You're uh, you're probably the biggest hero I can think of in this. You refuse to let that project ever die, and you have my gratitude for that. <laughs> well, thanks. But, uh, <laughs> you're welcome. The other thing that I'd like to talk about, though, is I, I would have liked to have heard Senator Casey uh, talk more about this omnibus spending bill because there is a lot of stuff in there that is uh, is incredibly, incredibly unnecessary. Like things for naming uh, two different buildings after Nancy Pelosi, one a, a federal building in San Francisco, one a, uh, I forget which department it was in Washington. Um, you get a uh, uh, Patrick Leahy from Vermont is mentioned on the Lake Champlain Basin Resource. We have uh, millions of dollars for a four-mile hiking trail named after Michelle Obama uh, in DeKalb, Georgia. You've got uh, so much stuff like that. What what we need is we need stuff for roads. We need stuff for infrastructure. We need stuff for jobs. We need stuff for the economy to stop bleeding all of our money. I said, and instead, we're getting tributes to uh, to the demagogues who uh, are probably the most inept legislative body in the in the world. And if it wasn't for Joe Biden, they'd be the most inept government. Uh, figures in the world but it's just uh, it's absolutely amazing that nobody will ever bring that up that that all we're talking about is spending not budgets and it well, just bothers the heck out of me yeah. try to run your household with a spending bill and not a budget go how ahead does, see how that works sure how does how does naming an existing building after somebody that's my first question if you name an existing building after somebody i don't know how that's a that's waste not what of it money. was that's not naming an existing building after her. it's it's name it's uh, spending money um, yeah. that's unnecessary to spend for it. And that's in the bill. Okay, I, I guess I'm... Now, the other question is, what if they were going to name this bill after George W. Bush? How would you feel about it then? I'd feel the same way. Sure you would. Okay, Harry, let me ask you no, another question. No, 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 no. Don't be condescending, Steve. You're very good at that. Yes, you are you. very good at being condescending where somebody disagrees oh. with you and they're an idiot, and then they don't allow you to talk and they're an idiot again. No. The simple fact of the matter is, I don't give a rat's patootie okay. who it's named after. If we're spending government money for it, it's wrong. It's my money, your money, Joe's money. It's not the government's money. Right. And they're spending it on stuff that's frivolous. Well, I would Somebody has to hold their feet to the fire, and, and we just sit there and we look at it and we say, oh, well, they shouldn't do that. But we go on and we keep electing these same losers back into office. And it's shameful. Well, I would be more inclined to name a sewage treatment plant after some of them than a magnificent new structure. <laughs> well, the other it thing... It doesn't is, matter what it is. If you're spending government money to give a tribute to right. somebody in government, it's a waste of money. Let me... Let me in, in all seriousness, have you, have you voiced these concerns to these... Uh, to these members of Congress, whether they be senators or representatives. Oh yes. Okay. Yes. I mean, local, know. local and federal. Okay. I don't play. I don't play favorites. Uh, you know, I had an experience with Senator Casey's office that uh, I uh, would have brought up today, but we didn't really have the time. I had, and Joe, if you don't mind, I'll throw this out there. I had applied for my what they call your my TSA pre-check, which means that you can go through the security line at the airports a little bit faster. A little bit faster. Now, I had applied for it, and I waited one month. I waited two months. I waited three months. And they had said very clearly, no, you're not going to have to wait any
anywhere near that time. So I called Senator Casey's office, got one of his people on the phone, discussed it with him, sent him all the information. Next time I called to see where my pre-check was... And I told the uh, woman who answered the phone, I said, uh, don't, you know, I have referred this whole thing to Bob Casey's office. Within two days after that, I was approved. The only point that I am making is I would I would recommend to everybody, when you got a concern, and you obviously have a very real concern, let your, let your senator or congressman, let him know about it. Put it in paper, put it on a paper, put it in an envelope, get it down to him, emails, whatever. But that's something simple, Steve. I can give you something you need, but on the other hand, what, what Harry is talking about is saying, hey, don't name a building or spend money to name a building after someone. That's, that's exactly not the it. same thing. That's well, exactly it. You're talking about what his staff did. More than likely, more than likely, the senator himself had nothing to do oh, with Oh, I agree. I'm sure More than right. likely. So, you know, so canonizing him for sainthood for that no, is, no, no, is, no. is worthless. Not doing that. But I am saying, I, I really think when, when the public makes its voice uh, heard, when you make your voice known, uh, they listen. Because you know what? They want to get reelected. Um, you know, this, this idea that you cannot fight City Hall... Uh, I, I, I don't agree with that. I think you can fight City Hall. You may not always win, but you let them know what you think, and, and it's going to happen. Well, the problem, Stephen, you're absolutely right. That's, this is one of the times I agree with you. You're absolutely right. The problem is that nobody has the courage for the fight. And they just stand there and they take it. They yeah. turn their face and say, oh, please, sir, may I have another? Oh, please, sir, may I have another? Just like Animal House. And it's right. like, you know, it's, it's time that, that we had a serious injection of backbone in this country. Sure. And at the like I say, at the very least, you take a piece of paper, you put your thoughts down. Uh, you don't got to be eloquent. You don't got to be an English major from Harvard University. Someone's going to read it, and yep. yet it'll be a staffer. But he'll say, you know what, Senator? I just got this from uh, Harry in Sunbury. He's a little ticked well, off. You don't got to be eloquent, but we got to take a break. Harry, thanks so much. Have a merry Christmas, sir. We'll talk to you, you again. Too. Take care. One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. Email us at onthemark at wkok dot com. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I I just don't know. Um, Me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 6.30 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6.30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the Mm. out of auto repair. Okay, welcome back to On the Mark. I think we have a heavenly caller. It says Mark from above. Mark, you're on the mark. (laughs) Where is Mark? He's uh, taking the day off. Yeah, well deserved. Well, I uh, called in to express my feelings on uh, Bob Casey. Uh, he supports uh, Joe Biden's foreign policies. 
he supports uh, Joe Biden's economic policies, spend, spend, spend. And there's the one that's really a major rub for me. He supports open borders policies, which is a detriment to our security. And then uh, if we can't, uh, we can't maintain our borders but send all that money over to Ukraine and we're not monitoring where all of it's going. It's a disaster coming down the pike, and I just I express my opinion. Do you think that the money we send to the Ukraine is poorly spent? I mean, do you not favor supporting them? It's not a matter of that. It's monitoring where the hell it's gone, because you've got some corruption over there. Of course, you, I hear there's even money coming back to the Democratic Party, just like uh, with that crypto guy. Uh, there's, uh, there's, there's money being spread all over, and I'd like to have it monitored and uh, more efficiently spent. How's that? Well, the crypto guy certainly was very generous when it came to funding Democrats. Very generous. Oh, uh, oh yeah, him? and uh, it's convenient that they're going after him now, so that, that uh, he won't be available for any uh, uh, congressional investigations because uh, he's going to be under indictment. So yeah. I guess that just prohibits uh, him going into Congress. It was amazing that the day before he was scheduled to testify, they arrested him. I will admit that's an unusual coincidence. Uh, it's very, very, very suspicious. The Democrats are that's the same way when you run against Democrats. You don't go one-on-one in some of these issues. you got to make Joe Biden the issue. I mean, you have a senatorial candidate there in, in Georgia. He's so far left, and uh, you got to go after him and say, look, do you support Joe Biden on this? Do you support Joe Biden on that? I'm sorry, Mark. We got it. We're out of time. Thanks so much, Steve. Enjoyed having you here with us. Lynn Hall, thank you for producing. Uh, we'll be back after Christmas, I guess, on On the Mark. WKOK Sunbury. Have a merry one, folks. 